gonna take a little turn here, if that's all right. You guys okay with that? Just, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, it's great. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's great. Thank you, Lord. Um, let, let's see. I think, um, I think I want to just shift a little bit and talk about um, a little different direction here, if this is all right. I think maybe to start here, this is that phrase, come Lord Jesus, um, and, and I'm so thankful Ian read a couple of scriptures that help us understand that it's, it's this um, back and forth relationship between our king and us as his children. Where he's like, I long to break in. Will you trust me until I do? And we are responsive to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. Would you come? Would you do what I can't do? The impossibilities of life, the comfort we need in hard times, the help when life's confusing to make sense of it all. That's this cry. Um, so so there's, there's that phrase is actually, it's, it's, it's the word Maranatha. Has anyone ever heard that word? Okay, raise your hand high. I want to see this. Raise your hand high. Okay, if you were at Revival and Reformation or heard that word for the first time, put your hand down. Has anyone heard that word that wasn't there? Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, look at this. This is great. Okay, um, back in the day when I was a bit younger, um, that word was, there was actually, there's like a group of churches that was called Maranatha, and it was, it was just a kind of a different move of God at the time. Um, but I remember hearing that word, Years ago and going, I don't know what in the world that means. It's kind of a funny word. And then, and then it, for me, it was like reintroduced that weekend a bit more. Um, and so I wanted to just give us an understanding for it and then take a bit of a shift back into what God's doing. Um, so that word is used one time in the, in the Bible, as far as I can tell. It's in the first Corinthians. It's a very end and it's like the salutation. So he's like, hey, love you guys, you're awesome. And then he says, um, he says some very clear last words, and he goes, come Lord Jesus. And then, hey, greet these people, and then he signs off. So that word, Maranatha, means come Lord Jesus. And so at one level, it's like that's kind of an obscure word or a, an idea in our life, for sure, biblically. Oh, huh, that's interesting. But what, what we're not familiar with, potentially, is that back in the day, the Jews of the time, they greeted each other with a certain kind of greeting. It was shalom. You guys know what that means? Peace. Peace, peace be with you. Okay? So it was this exchange. Like, we might say, hey, how are you doing? And we really don't want to know how you're doing. You know? Like, you ever, anyways, at the grocery store, and you're like, hey, how are you doing? They're like, great. How are you? And it's like, no, really. How are you doing? Is rarely followed up and asked. Um, so the Jews of the day would say, shalom, that means peace be with you. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. He lives three years expressing the kingdom of God in transformative ways, raises the dead, heals the sick, cleanses the leper, gives people hope. And then he says, I I'm actually going away, but I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. And Jesus is crucified on a cross for your sins and for mine. He was buried in the grave, and the Bible says he went down into hell and took the keys of death and hell with him, and he was resurrected again three days later. So that you and I can be free 
so that you and I can be alive, so that you and I have hope to actually give to people that's not of our own conjuring, right? And as the church emerges through the book of Acts, this phrase, Maranatha, was actually, from what I understand, was a commonly used phrase at the time. It was actually a greeting from the believers, from the followers of Jesus. They would, if I was running to Nathan in the, in the street, I might say, Maranatha, and he might go, Maranatha, or something of that nature. You could probably pronounce it better than I can. Did I do good? Is it Greek-ish? Greek-ish, kind of, maybe. Um, anyways, so, so it was actually a very commonplace greeting of the time. And back then, it was a, an exchange of words that meant, we're hoping for something better. We're hoping for something different. We're hoping in this Jesus that just came and blew up our lives and transformed how we live and who we are. And now he said, now you go and do the same. And all of these believers are like, what are you talking about? This is me and I'm broken. But Jesus came in a very powerful way and left the Holy Spirit to transform lives. So this greeting, Maranatha, was this exchange of relationship. It was like, I'm with you and you're with me. But it was all centered around, come Lord Jesus. Okay? So there's two different expressions here that I want us to hear. One of them is, yes, Lord, we long for your return. Because Jesus promised. He said, I'm going, up to, I'm, I'm going up to heaven, but take heart, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to rescue my bride. Now, let me say this one real quick thing. Um, I've heard so many times over my life, oh, the world's getting worse day by day by day. I just want to submit to you that it actually isn't sin's been in the world since day one. Since Adam and Eve's choice, sin's in the world. And when sin is in the world, the world's bad. Cain and Abel killing each other, you know that whole thing? Okay? That was a long time ago. The world was bad. Don't you know today the world also has a problem? It's called sin. And that sin has a remedy, and that's a savior called Jesus. Okay, so this Maranatha word is, a, is twofold. It's this, come Lord Jesus, we want you to return because we want to see you face to face. But it's also can be a, a phrase that's utilized in our lives when we need him. Anyone in an impossible situation right now? Family members, finances. Those can be our Maranatha moments. Where we just say, come Lord, we need, I need you to do something I can't do. Timidity, insecurity. You ever walk in a room and you start thinking about yourself and then you think no one loves me and then you think I'm leaving? Come on. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. This is yes. All, most of us probably, unless except the oblivious extroverts maybe, <laughs> but um, they love people and it doesn't matter if you look their way. They're just with people, you know, there's a few of you like that, but most of you are like me and us. Okay. So may, take that for example, maybe when you're coming in to an abide or to a Sunday morning or going into a social setting at life group and inside you're like, oh, I don't want to go. What if you start saying, come Lord Jesus, help me have courage. Help me find friends. Help me be loved. Help me love so I can be loved. Does that make sense? What if when you look at your checkbook, your bank account, and you go, there is absolutely no way this is going to come together. And instead, you get on your knees and say, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. It's this inviting of God into a, a perfect God into an impossible situation in our eyes. 
Sometimes he doesn't change it. Sometimes he's like, I'm with you in it. Let's walk it through. Does anyone relate with that? Yeah, that's breakthrough too. Because what is, the, what is the core part of God's desire for us is Maranatha. His core part of his desire for us is we would walk with him, whether he brings the instantaneous breakthrough or he says, wait, there's some steps of maturing I have for you. Let's walk together through this. Okay? I was reading today, Matthew 14, when, when um, Jesus sent the disciples to cross over to the other side in the boat, and Jesus sends, dis, dismissed the people, and then they're in, and then they get in the middle of a storm, and Jesus sees them, and they're straining at the oars. You guys remember this part? And Jesus is like, okay, now I'll cross. And he starts walking across the water. And they were freaking out, and they said, it's, 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 a, it's a ghost, oh no. And Peter said one, Peter's the one that stood up and said, hey, if, if it's you, ask me to come. You guys remember this story? Okay. Yeah. He gets out of the boat, and it's funny, I was thinking about this today, I wondered if he actually, when he's, you know sometimes you're in a boat, and you kind of lean over, and it makes everyone else rock? I wonder what the guys were thinking, like, get in the boat, you're making us going to tip over, right? So he gets out of the boat, and he starts to walk, and then he looks at the waves instead of at Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus reached down and grabbed him. He reached down and grabbed him, all right? So if Dawson and I were on uh, let's say that we're standing on these chairs, and all of a sudden Dawson decides to jump off. Do you think I could reach down with an arm and grab him and cause him to not jump off? It's the powerful arm of Jesus to rescue us in ways we can't figure out. He didn't die. It doesn't say Jesus went, oh, I got a Holy Spirit life ring, and here you go, and float away. He actually went, no, I grabbed you. I'm saving you. And I wonder if he looked, in, he looked Peter in the eyes, and he said, I'm proud of you. You chose the impossible route. You chose to overcome fear to find me face to face. I don't, I know he said, kind of challenged the faith a little bit, but I just wonder if Jesus' heart was thankful that Peter tried. Okay? That moment, we could say, is kind of like our life when we use the term, come Lord Jesus or Maranatha. Peter's like, everyone's freaking out. We're going to drown. Wait, there's a ghost. And Peter's like, come Lord Jesus. He didn't say that. Don't hear, hear me. He didn't say that. But that action showed us, God, I'm stepping towards you. And he moved towards him. And Jesus was honored by his faith. Okay? So this is the desire of God. This is the purpose of this word. And so I'm just kind of wanting to throw it out for us as a community to say, this may be something that he's leading us into where in, in your life group, in your relationships, in your discipleship, in your interactions, you might go, hey, this is my Maranatha moment. Would you pray, come Lord Jesus with me into this place? For sure, he's going to come near and walk with us. Sometimes he heals. Sometimes he restores. Sometimes he breaks through. And sometimes he says, Psalms 23, I'm walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Hey, that's Maranatha. So I want to invite us into that, and we're going to actually go back into places of prayer in just a few minutes around that idea. Because my guess is there's all of us, there's things and there's situations in your heart and your life that you're like, I actually need him to come. I need his help. I need his nearness. Okay? All of us are in that place. And we have choices to make. Do we outrun it? Do we overpower it? Or do we just get on our knees and say, come Lord Jesus?
all right? So we're going we're gonna to hang on to that thought, okay? Um, I, I want to, you got your Bibles? Open Acts 1, just for, I need my water. Acts 1. I want to take a little bit of time to offer a few thoughts when we look at the summer, okay? Um, meaning, meaning, I, I think just as I was praying about us, I felt like that some of us are kind of this in-between stage. It's like spring's, spring's officially almost done. The, the mornings have been incredible, right? <laughs> Love the mornings, right? And the heat's coming, okay? So it's like, Spring's over, and here comes the, the inferno, right, of life. Um, and, and we look over our shoulder, and we're like, hey, that revival reformation, what was that? What just happened? It's just back a few weeks, if you were a part of that. God's doing some things among us, and we're excited about what he's up to, and we just want to keep saying yes to him. Okay. So this in-between stage, sometimes, I, I, sometimes it leads us going, what's our anthem? What's our... Rock. What's, what do we look towards and hold on to? And I want to offer a couple thoughts directed towards as we go towards into the summer, okay? Um, so one of them is this Maranatha concept. And, and honestly, I didn't even know we were going to be singing that song tonight. I'm thrilled about it. And, and I also, it wasn't part of the plan to continue to sing, Come Lord Jesus. God's doing something. This is not a script. This is a relationship. Just speaking for Bree and the band, that's pretty important to hear. This actually isn't a script. It's just they're up there, and I'm up here going, God, what are you doing right now? And it seems like he leads us into this song or this anthem or this longing, and it comes out of our hearts. Whether you feel it or not, we can engage with it because it's his desire. We follow him into those mysterious times, and he teaches us and changes us, if we'll let him. Okay? So Acts 1. You guys ready? Okay. So Luke's writing this book. It's incredible. And he takes a moment here at the very beginning, um, and one through nine. And he's like, hey, let me remind you how we got here. And then he starts telling this incredible story about the birth of the bride of Christ. It's incredible. If you never read through Acts, so you haven't well, enjoy it. It's, it's amazing to see normal people walking with a living God and how the world has changed. Their choices there are why we're here today. Do you know that? Their choices there are why you and I are here right now. Whether you know Jesus or not tonight, it's his initiation with these people and their yes in their hearts. Many rejected him, but the few that said yes, their yes led to these incredible events. And here we are today. And I'm deeply thankful for that. Okay. So Acts 1. Um, who wants to read it? Does anyone want to read it out loud for us? We actually have a microphone. Aaron, do you want to read it out loud on the microphone? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for the record, beforehand, Aaron's like, do I have to talk in the microphone? I was like, no, you'll be fine. But then the crowd longed for it, Aaron. They just cheered for it. Kevin, you got it? Come on. Kevin's been voted. Okay, one through nine. One through nine. Yeah. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convicting proofs that he was alive. 
He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for it is not for you to know the time or date the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Um so a couple just little details to point out. And, and this is, so I've had the privilege um, of um, officiating a couple weddings in our community, Matt and Rachel. They're, they were my first. <laughs> I was so honored. It's actually one of my favorite parts of being a pastor. It's <laughs> just that, that moment in the life. Um, so there's a moment in, in, in a wedding where, where we, you, you give a charge to the couple, right? And Malia is actually going to be doing a wedding here very soon. She could come. No, I'm just kidding. I won't call you up. Let you practice. Um, so, um, so, the, but he charged the couple, and and it, the, the charge is like, hey, love unconditionally. Hey, forgive quickly. Hey, remember your grace you extend to your spouse is because Jesus extended it to you. That kind of thing. Don't forget. If you remember nothing else about this day, don't forget this. That's the charge. Okay. So I want to give us a few charges when we look into the summer. And one of them is this, is the Maranatha idea. And I think God's going to keep unpacking that for us. But there's a few others. And one of them comes out of here. Real quick context, verse 4. Look at verse 4. It says, it's describing this moment where Jesus comes and has, eats dinner with the disciples, has a meal with them. Okay. So in that, so when we lived in Portugal and Germany, we were like, hey, 30 minute dinner in and out. The waitresses are trying to get as many tips as possible. And we moved overseas for, for a while. And when we were over there, we realized dinner is actually all night. We go to dinner with friends that are locals and we're like three, four hours. The, the waiter or waitress sits us down, takes our order and says, let me know when you need something. They don't give you the check to rush you out the door. The same in this culture. A meal together was, if Robert and I are having a meal, this is like we're intertwining our life, our schedule, our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our fears. Everything in our life, we're like, we're intertwined. We're in it together, face to face, across the table. And some of you guys actually practice that in life group. You enjoy or with your friends and you're like, we're going to have dinner, but it's going to be all night long. And it's rich, isn't it? It's rich. This is what was happening with Jesus and his disciples. He's sitting them down and he's saying, I want to spend time with you. And in the, po- in the moment of spending time, the exchange of relationship and intimacy, Jesus gives these instructions. Sometimes for us, here's a little, here's a little moment if you want to write this down. Sometimes in our life, we need answers from God about a situation and we don't take time enough to linger with him like we're having a meal to actually receive his heart and his wisdom. 
Sometimes anxiety thinks we're going to outrun the problem and maybe it'll go away. Kind of like juggling, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to keep juggling these balls because if I drop them, what's going to happen? And, and Jesus wants to say, set all the, the weird worries down. Let's sit down knee to knee. In the place of lingering with Jesus, he, te- he teaches us, he speaks, he comforts us. Does that make sense? It's a big deal, okay? So if you have a paper Bible, I want, I want to ask you to consider circling or, or underlining the word wait. This is my, my second charge for us for the summer. Jesus was very clear. This is the key word of this entire section, wait. Because Jesus is inviting them into a lifestyle of intimacy that starts with, I linger, I wait, I don't leave. This word is actually kind of two different words put together that tie in to give this instruction of, like Jesus is not saying, hey, fill up your gas tank for five minutes and head on. He's actually saying, hey, let's sit down together and talk for a long time. The word wait here is about lingering. The word waiting is pausing with expectation of something more. The word wait there is powerful, and it's hard for us to know how to do that. Can anyone relate with this? Life is full, and life sometimes doesn't have to be so full, but sometimes we make it full to outrun some different things in our hearts that God wants to deal with that we don't want to face. Eh? Did I hit you? Hit me? Okay, say it again real quick. Sometimes we don't know that 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 posture of waiting, meaning trusting until he comes and speaks and helps, because we're actually trying to outrun sin, shame, condemnation, challenges, worries. If we just keep hanging out with our friends more and going to work and going to bed late and watching shows, if we just keep on being busy, maybe that will go away. And Jesus is actually offering us something drastically different. Wait. I lean into relationship because I expect an exchange. And in that exchange, my hope gets filled up for whatever I'm dealing with. Again, maybe he doesn't change the scenario, but that's okay because that's love. Maybe he actually says, I'm with you in it. And he says, here's some instructions for you. But if we don't know how to stop and wait and make space, we'll never know that comfort and that leadership from him. So that's my second charge for us this summer is wait. Can we learn how to do this in our hearts? So I want to just really practical. That could mean maybe one night a week. You actually don't schedule anything. You eat dinner, your roommates, your friends, whatever, and you're like, me and Jesus until bedtime. I'm actually serious. I'm asking you to consider this. Me, like, I, and I've done this many times in my life. Okay? About two weeks ago, I was up in the middle of the night worrying about stuff, waking up in the middle of the night, my mind spinning. Yes, that was me. It was a really hard couple weeks. My mind spinning about these situations. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I sneak out of the bedroom so I don't wake Jenny up. <laughs> and I just go down to our guest room, and I close the door, and I open my Bible, and I just say, Lord, I need help. I don't look at my phone. I don't turn on a movie. I don't, I just say, Jesus, help me, please. I can't stop the spinning in my head. And it's very unfamiliar to me. That was a very unfamiliar situation and time from my life. But he was with me in the middle of it. But how did I know that? Because I waited. I lingered. So I want to offer a challenge. This summer, I want to ask that you'd consider creating space, longer space with him. 
I promise you won't be disappointed. In fact, here's actually the second promise. You actually will get addicted to his nearness. You'll discover a king that looks you in the eyes and says, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm with you. The, 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 the singleness. Sometimes I know that as you're single, you go through those seasons where you're like, I hate this season. It's so hard. I wish I was married. What if in those moments, grief is at his feet? And he said, God, would you please comfort me? Because that's real. It's real. Many of you go through those seasons, and I know it, and I'm sad about it. But I pray for you. And I'm offering you a solution that's maybe different than I'm just going to outrun it. I'm just going to busy my life away. Okay? So Jesus says, wait. So what are we waiting for? Follow along here for just a second. Wait. And he said, the gift that's promised you. And then verse 5, John baptized with water. And in a few days, he's going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So those two words, baptized there, they mean something very interesting. Okay? So how's, how's a pickle made? What's it made out of? It's a cucumber, okay? So follow me. I'm promising you this has to do with baptism, right? <laughs> this word is, is like how cucumbers made. I'm, I'm serious. So I've never made a, a pickle, so a little bit of grace here. But there's another word that's similar about baptism that's actually about like, I just kind of like, uh, do you take a pickle and you like put it in hot water before you stick it in vinegar? How do you do that? That's it. Okay. Okay, so just follow me for a second. So that there's another word about baptism that's more like um, you, just, you just stuck yourself into something and got out of it. Nothing changed. But this word baptism is like what happens to a cucumber that turns into a pickle. <laughs> I'm serious. I could tell you a story, but I don't have time, but it's true. This is about, okay, so I'll tell you the story. Back in like the... <laughs> The 1200s. So these people were researching, and Nathan, I need a bit to make sure I'm right on this one, but I think I am. Um, just kidding. Um, there, there, there was, so, so um, biblical scholars looked back at this word and traced it far, far, far back and found this guy that was like a, what was he? I forget. He was, he was a cook, and he was like a philosopher or something, and he used these two words interchangeably in his pickle recipe. I'm serious. He did. The second one, this baptism, was immersion and stay there till you come out different. That's what Jesus is talking about. And he talks about two different kinds of baptisms. But hold on to that thought for a minute. That cucumber goes in there. I've never made pickles. I don't like pickles. But nonetheless, it goes into that, that little mixture, and it comes out something drastically different that, in my opinion, is disgusting. But it's okay. Our younger daughter, Kinley, loves pickles. Don't get it. But so, so that's, that's this baptism. Get in it and stay there until you come out different. Get in it until you stay, until you come out and you're like, oh, something changed inside and outside of me. That's baptism. Okay? Jesus mentions two kinds of baptism. John's baptism. If you're familiar with the Gospels, John was the one that came. He was kind of a weird dude, but he came out, and he's calling people to repentance and baptism. It's a repentance from sin to turn into a new life. That's John's baptism. That's all of us. If you have a relationship with Jesus, that's the initial type of baptism we're talking about. I have sin, and I need a Savior. Jesus, would you exchange my life for yours? Would you exchange my past 
my shame, my sin, my powerlessness over sin, would you exchange it for your life? And I come out different. That's John's baptism. The Holy Spirit's baptism is different. He goes on to say, we're going to look in a second, but he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll have power. So this is a type of baptism. Again, the pickle analogy, come out different. When we sit with Jesus, we learn to wait. There's a time that comes when the Holy Spirit comes on us and we walk away different. I was anxious, but now I'm free. I was fearful and hopeless, but all of a sudden there's something in my soul that says it's going to be okay. You see the difference? This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. And he tells his disciples, he's like, don't leave, you need this for everything I have for you to do. Aren't you glad they stayed? He actually said in a couple days, I'm thankful for that, but if I was them, I'd be like, uh, day five? Day I don't know how long it was in between that moment, but there probably is a moment of waiting, and if, if you'll just take my challenge and try that this summer, where you're like, I got, I'm going to sit hours with him. No agenda, just I want to meet with you, God. I promise there'll be a moment where you want to run. <laughs> but if you'll wait, that wait, that ex expectation of relationship, you'll come out like the pickle. You'll come out different. Sorry, all joking aside. Sorry, maybe I was wrong that for a joke. But did you understand the concept, though? That's what happens in that moment. That waiting, that exchange, is that we actually come out different. Now, why? So we can feel better about ourselves and have hope for our difficult situations? No, that's part of it. But why did Jesus say, wait for the, for the Holy Spirit to come? Verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the other baptism. And you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay? If you've ever walked into your workplace and gone, oh, I should pray more for people and I can't. And what do I do? If you walk into like Circle K to get gas and to buy a drink or something, and you're like, I should tell them about Jesus, but I don't do. You, ever, you, know, you guys know that dance inside? Oh, right? This person's limping, and you're like, oh, we're supposed to pray for them. I'm scared. Okay? Everyone knows those feelings. If we'll wait, we'll receive a baptism, a transformation where fear goes, and then the natural overflow is he helps us love people. And so maybe the next time you're at work, when you're hanging out with a coworker, when you're working on a project... If it was Dawson and I were working on something and he's over there working and we're, we're working on a project together and he's cussing up a storm and I'm like, oh, and he's saying stuff, you know, but he's working. What if instead of going, should I say something? Should I not? I'm going to the bathroom. I'm uncomfortable. What if instead I go, Jesus, how, do you, how should I love Dawson right now? Spirit of God, would you please change me? Give me wisdom. And he might say, ask him how his family's doing. He might say, thank him for his hard work. That is the steps of the kingdom of God. As I obey his voice and he changes lives. Okay? So, you guys see the flow of that? No longer does the world have to be changed by me and my words. It now gets to be changed by our intimacy with him. And the overflow is just natural. That, if I could sum up R&R &R and the revival reformation in that weekend. Because I think... What God's doing in them is going to actually be an anthem in our Antioch movement of this generation. I really think it is. And those are simple people that in college said, hey, I like you, you like me, let's run together. Wait, you love Jesus? Wait, let's sharpen each other. 
wait, what if we actually take this love of Jesus wherever he sends us around the world? God calls them to D.C., many of them. They're working jobs 60, 70 hours a week. And in the middle of it, they're like, Holy Spirit, how do I love? How do I love? How do I love? And they have crazy God stories because they just walked with him. That's, that's this flow, okay? So my first charge, or second charge, is I want to challenge us to learn to wait. That may mean we turn off some of the distractions. It may mean we come face-to-face with, why do I actually resist being with him? It's a very important question. Because deep inside of that question is the source of life that keeps you from really trusting him fully. Okay? So, that's where we are here, all right? Let's take one more little turn, and then we're going to respond to him for a couple of things, all right? You guys okay? Is anyone hot? We're good? Okay, good. Just me. You cold? <laughs> Dawson, can you snuggle with him? No, I'm just kidding. Keep him warm. That's what friends do. Give him your jacket. There you go. Um, okay. So we see as we progress through, through Acts, we, we see that um, the disciples see God and then Matthias kind of takes over as when Judas, because he passed away and made some bad choices, and Matthias. <laughs> um, <laughs> then we get into chapter two, all right? So I want us to read real quick through this section of chapter two, because there's, there's just one important thing I want to mention. Okay, so who can read for us 2, 1 through 13? Now, you've got to be really good at pronouncing funny cities. Oh, David, you got this? Come on, man. Love the confidence. Give it to us. So, David, you're going, we're, we're reading along 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was... They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all who are, are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each, of us, that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts in in Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have no much, they had, they had had too much wine. Oh, David, you did great, man. That was awesome. You nailed it. That was like, wow, confidence. Thank you. Um, okay. So we see the fruit of their waiting is this. So imagine you and your life group. And, and as you're just walking with Jesus, you sense this, stay here, stay in this place. You sense God maybe saying, hey, just worship and stay here. And there's some that said, wait, I'm really scared. Wait, wait, I got stuff to do. Wait, wait, what is my family doing? Okay, those kind of questions are real. But as you, 
do life together in life group, you sense God saying, let's just keep worshiping. So you just follow him. You trust him. This is what's happening here. These group of people are like, I'm, I'm, I'm obeying. Jesus said to wait because something's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. But they're waiting because they trust him. They're waiting because they know him. They're waiting because they want to obey him, because they love him. They wait, and then all of a sudden, wind comes. And then fire rests on their heads. I think it's a funny moment. I actually was talking to, um, to a friend the other day, and I was like, I was reading through this, and I was like, what is it? What would it take to live a life where this Pentecost experience is normal? I, I, I've read stories of actually fire in a room, and it's God. That may weird you out, but I've read stories and I've heard about fruit of those things happening. I've read stories about people worshiping and they're like, we're just going to, God's in it, we're going to keep on worshiping. And all of a sudden there's a wind and all the doors and windows are closed. Something inside of them changes because they lingered closer to him. Why does he do those phys- the physical outward expressions of his love that make us go, what was that? I don't know. But there's a purpose for it. Okay, so some of you at the weekend, I've had some really good conversations with some of you about the R&R weekend. The, the general consensus is it was incredible, and what just happened, and what was going on in those people's lives that we want? And there were some expressions of worship. There were some times where people were calling out for God to break through or do something that was different than what we're used to. And I just need to say it's going to be okay. Because Holy Spirit does things at times where wind and fire come in the room and no one gets it. And they have a moment to go, wait, this offends my mind because it doesn't fit in the box I just built for you. What are we going to do about it? And sometimes Jesus is waiting for us to say, hey, why don't you come out of that box and I'll just follow you. There are things that God does in our lives we don't understand. But if we'll fix our eyes on him and not on the situation, it'll be okay. And it is perfectly okay to go, hey, what was that? Let's talk about it. Let's go there. It's great, okay? So we see the fruit of the weekend, and we see the fruit of their lives, okay? I've interacted with some of uh, young adult pastors that had brought some of their people for the weekend, and they were like, our people are changing. God's doing something. There's this something, I I feel like we stepped into something different than what we've known, of God. And I, my longing and prayer is, God, keep us in step with what you're doing. Okay? And I don't know quite what it is, but it's good. Okay? So I think some of these charges will lead us into that this summer. So we see this happening, and we see this. That it's one example of the, the gift of tongues. It's, it's like they're worshiping, and somehow, I don't know if they all of a sudden started singing in different songs or words, and all of a sudden everyone heard it, or God translated it through. I don't know how it all happened. But what happened was incredible. But what I want us to look at for just a second, and this is our final charge for the summer, is the response of two different groups of people. Verse 12 and verse 13. Verse 12 says, Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, Oh, they've had too much wine. 
When God's up to something, when our hearts are surrendered and we're saying, whatever you want in my life, I trust you, you will have people that say, yes, run after him. And you'll have people that go, are you crazy? Is that emotionalism? Maybe that person's faking that healing that God just did in their life. We will have both people. How do I know which way to go personally in my life? I look at the fruit in someone's life. And I go, they're softer than these people. (laughs) Their hearts seem more tender. They seem more hungry. Who they are and what God's doing in them, I want what they have. But there's a bit of an edginess at times when that kind of criticism comes. Does this make sense? Okay. And so the last charge for the summer is, verse 12, curiosity. Verse 13, criticism. Imagine, put yourself, just picture what's happening in that whole situation. And then there are some that said, what is this? And they stepped towards relationship with God and with the people. There are others that go, oh, I know what this is. I actually don't, but I don't like it. It doesn't fit in my box, and so they're probably drunk. Criticism. Curiosity leads me to relationship. Criticism distances me from any relationship that doesn't make sense to me, that I can't control. Criticism finds other people that have the same criticism, and now it's everyone believes statement. But if you stop and go, is my heart being softened when I have conversations with them about this? Do I love Jesus more? Probably the answer is no. It's for me, it's no. When I've walked into those situations. But there's a part of curiosity that leads us to greater relationship. It's the heartbeat of the wait. I don't know what you're going to do, Jesus, but I'm going to wait until you come. Curiosity fosters relationship and changes me from the inside. It's that baptism we're talking about. I don't understand it. It doesn't fit in my paradigm or my cultural expression of worship and church background or whatever it is. This doesn't make sense. And so I choose curiosity, not criticism. And it's a choice we have. And I guarantee the longer we walk together with Jesus, he'll walk us into things that we're like, what are you doing in my life? Now what do I do with this? Curiosity or criticism? We have two paths. It's a fork in the road every time. So it could be, here's an example. Earlier when we kept seeing come Lord Jesus like 97 times, okay, you might be sitting there, and it's, this is not a judgmental statement, you might be sitting there and going, why do we keep singing these same like five words? Like what's going on? That's okay. It's fine. But is it, do you move towards criticism or curiosity? Do you move towards what's something's going on with everyone but me, and now I don't like what's happening, and it's more an internal focus, criticism. The external focus is, God, I don't understand, but I'm just going to stay in, and I'm going to trust my leaders, I'm going to trust my friends. My curiosity leads me to relationship instead of reject relationship. Yep? Okay. So it's my final charge for us for the summer is take stock. Holy Spirit, is there any criticism versus curiosity? Is there any of that in my life? And the simple response is, God, I'm sorry, but I listen, take a, take a step deeper in those times. Lord, why is it that I'm, I've chosen criticism instead of curiosity? Ask him. Probably he might say you're afraid. He might say, 
this is outside of your comfort zone and can I teach you more of who I am? You might say, you can trust those people even though you don't understand. You should go get coffee with them and ask them their story. Because criticism pulls you away from that relationship. Remember that? Criticism says, I don't want what you have for me. Curiosity says, can you help me understand? I want to know you better and what God's doing in your life. Okay? So, three things for the summer. We want to learn how to wait. This Maranatha, the come Lord Jesus, what are your Maranatha moments where you need God to just break through? I want to invite you to consider putting them before him. So those couple weeks I was alluding to earlier, I can't tell you how many times, day and night, where I, I'm face to face with this, this thing that's going on in my life. It was this relational strife. It was so painful. And I just said, I choose to trust you, Jesus, and I choose to break through, and I choose to bless the situation. I'm driving to work. I'm going to bed, I'm brushing my teeth, and whatever it is, and my mind starts thinking about it because I don't like relational strife in my life at all. It feels unsafe to me. And instead I said, because I can't change the situation, and so instead I just said, come Lord Jesus. I just said, God, I trust you. In the moment of the uncertainty, God, I trust you. So my guess is for all of us, there's probably a few maybe one, two, three areas in your life where you're like, oh, that could actually be my Maranatha moment. That could be the place where I've run from relationship and I need to run to him. Okay, so we want to take a little bit of time to respond to this. All right? So, uh, Bree, can you play a little pretty music for us in the background? A little something? Um, A little ditty? Um, So, For a moment, if you'll just allow me for a moment to just lead us through a few questions with God, and then we're going to take time first to just stay here with him. Okay, so if you're comfortable closing your eyes, if you need to stand up, it's totally fine. Um, But if you're comfortable doing that, just want to ask you to ask him a couple questions. Just interacting with him. So Lord, is there anything in my life that I don't trust you about? Or maybe another way of saying, God, what's my Maranatha situation? Just wait there. This is the practicing of the waiting. God, what's my Maranatha situation? Now, if you wanted to just, if you have that in your mind, that situation could be family, finances, or job, or relationship, or singleness. It could be anything in the world. Anything that moves you from peace and joy to strain and stress and worry. Just having that in your, in your mind's eye. And then I want to ask you if you'd consider just asking Jesus. Would you come, Lord Jesus, into this situation? Would you come, Lord Jesus, into this situation? 
maybe a, another question might be, God, is what is it that keeps me from trusting you in this situation? like for us to do is to to spread out. If you need to stay in your seat, it's totally fine, but where can you go right now where we just do some relational interaction with Jesus around this situation? If you need to get up and stand, if you need to spread out, it's totally fine. But we're going to take a little time first with, with you and him and me and him around this situation. And I just want us to practice the come Lord Jesus cry. I want us to practice trusting him in the impossibility of that situation. Maybe for you, there, there's just when if there's someone in this room that looks at their past and it looks impossible to outrun. There's consequences you're facing right now. Consequences of your choices, real consequences. And you look at those and you go, why do they keep reminding me of my bad choices? Maybe that's your Maranatha situation. So as the band plays quietly for a little bit, I, I, I want us to start here. To look at that situation and be able to, however you need to, to be able to say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. What do you want to do in this situation? H how do you want to work? How can I trust you? You may need to picture like, maybe he wants you to reach over and just hold his hand. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I want us to practice this heart longing in the, in the most difficult places of our life to invite him into. Okay, so Holy Spirit, we trust you. All that you're doing, we trust you. And we just as a, a community, as a group, we say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, the impossibility that's in front of us. And we give you permission right now to do whatever you want to do. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So we're just going to take a few minutes around this and in interacting with the Lord, and then we're going to try to wrap up with a few other thoughts, okay? Okay.